You are listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast from Freedom Fellowship Church in Tontytown, Arkansas. Our mission is to love God, love others, and serve both. And now let's listen in to this week's sermon. Can you tell what's missing from this t-shirt? Of course you can, because what's missing is you. It's as if where you are right now doesn't even exist. Now, how about this t-shirt showing the Caribbean nation of Haiti? Can you spot what's missing? While the United States t-shirt is obviously not real, the Haiti t-shirt is real, and it's available for purchase at gift shops across the Haitian capital of Port-au-Prince. It illustrates a harsh reality faced by the 130,000 real people living on the real island of Lagunov, Haiti. Forgotten even by their own country. But they were not forgotten by Pastor Matt Baugh. Welcome to Haiti, Ian. It's good to see you. Matt felt God's call on his heart to reach out to the people of Lagunov. In mid-2005, Matt, along with his wife and their five children, moved to Haiti and began to plant the foundation that would provide basic Christian education to the island's current and future generations. Just barely a year into his mission, God called Matt Ball home on a Haitian highway when a local truck pulled out of this intersection and into the path of Matt's motorcycle. While en route to the hospital, Matt Ball passed away from his injuries, held in his wife's arms as she softly sang the hymn, Whate'er My God Ordains Is Right. With Matt's sudden death, Loganov's people seemed destined to be forgotten once again. However, a heartfelt letter written by Matt just weeks before his tragic death made clear both his burden and his hope for Loganov. As I hike through the villages on my way to preach, it weighs heavily on me that so many of them do not have an evangelical witness. I see children playing around decorated voodoo tombs and worship areas and thank the Lord for the bounds of my habitation while weeping for these lost, hopeless children. Pray that the Lord would send more workers unto the harvest. And more workers unto the harvest is exactly what happened. As Matt's family answered God's call to continue his mission of hope for the forgotten people of Lagunov. Today, Hope for Loganov provides the island with 70 local jobs in teaching, food service, and health care. More than 500 children from pre-K to 12th grade attend four schools across the island to receive a foundational Christian education. Just this past fall, Hope for Loganov celebrated its first high school graduating class of 10 students, four of whom were awarded scholarships, including longtime student Mockinson Joseph, in September of 2017, just one week away from starting ninth grade, Mackinson was buying school supplies in Laganov's main town of Anzagale when he was caught in a roof collapse during Hurricane Irma. 
Due to complications from his injuries, Mockinson ended up losing part of his right leg, but he never lost any of his love of learning and is now one of four students in Hope for Loganov's first graduating class to earn a full four-year scholarship. Success stories like these will become more and more common as Matt Baugh's hope for the people of Loganov becomes reality. Unfortunately, Another reality provides a constant, ominous reminder that Jeremiah 29.11 is not meant as a blanket assurance of worldly blessing. Uncontrollable chaos. That's how some Haitians describe the state of their country. Amid the ongoing gang violence and kidnappings, now a lack of available fuel is affecting hospitals and schools. Gunfire echoing through Port-au-Prince after the president was assassinated. The earthquake has left many lives in ruins. Since mid-August, 160,000 families here have been without homes. This morning, American missionaries in the hands of kidnappers somewhere in Haiti. Yet, in the midst of this chaos, hope remains. Matt's vision for the people of Loganov did not end with his death, neither will God's plan falter in the face of this turmoil. This ministry was born of the hard providence of God. The loss of a beloved husband, father, brother, and friend who had a passion for the people of a tiny forgotten island. And with your help, Hope for Loganov will continue to build the solid foundations for future generations of Haitian leaders as they carry on the work of Christ's church in their own communities. Good morning to you. This morning uh, we have Ben and Ben, so you're gonna you're gonna get it right if you use a Ben in the deal. But uh, you've you've seen pictures of, of them up here as they've become involved in the ministry. This morning's gonna be a little different. They're gonna talk about their ministry, and then what we're gonna do is we're gonna bring it back together as a group of three, because one of the things that happens uh, is that. When the Holy Spirit moves, and that's what we're going to talk about in a little brief teaching about Acts this morning, but the Holy Spirit moves. A lot of times the signals we get aren't clear. It's not like slapping you upside the head and do this or do that. And so we're going to hear unfold kind of the stories of those, but then we're going to come back together uh, briefly, the three of us, and have this discussion about, you know, how God, through the Holy Spirit, helps us get to some of the decision processes that we make. So... Um, Ben is a, uh, a bivocational pastor in Yazoo City, Mississippi, and he's part of the board for Hope for Logging Off. This Ben, Ben Ball, is the executive director. You saw his picture up here several times here, and that was his brother that they were talking about that was the uh, church planter at that time. So who's it? I'll go first. Well, thank you for having us. We're, we're excited to be here. <clears throat> I joke with Ben, I guess uh, it's about the Benjamins or whatever the kids always say. <laughs> Too many bins. Um, first of all, 
Ben Rush has been with us since 2000 on our board since 2006 or seven, I believe. Before he's been to Haiti with us several times. He, he and I go quite often. But Ben's been um, he, formerly he was an Army Ranger, so he's, he's really handy to have when you're on the, the sketchy situations in Haiti, particularly. And despite his gray hair, he's really strong, so that's kind of nice. Um, I'm here just to say thank you on behalf of the board, on behalf of the folks in Haiti. Right after about actually 30 days after that video that you saw of my brother, he was killed in that accident. And it's not about him. One of the things that we talk about in this, in our video, it's really, this is, we hope it's an encouragement to you as a believer that God's good all the time. He's faithful. And we just sang about it. Um, he never fails. And our Haitian folks send their greetings. Um, I told him I was visiting with you today. You can go ahead and start just in the, the slide if you want. Um, we're going to go manually through there. But you saw Mockinson is one of the stories, one of many. We've got over 500 students. Mockinson, despite his amputation, um, continues to have hope. Um, and as we encourage him, we encourage you. The hope isn't in a story or in, you know, we're encouraged by a tragic death of my brother or anyone else. But it's Christ. And the reality is as long as we have breath, we have hope. And Mockinson continues to study hard. These guys up here, you've got basically... Franzo, which is on the, he's on the far right, Mockinson, you got Terry, he's one of our school uh, directors, he helps uh, with st child sponsorship, um, you got Jerry, and then you've got Katiana. Katiana and Mockinson just finished their first year of, of nursing school. Each of those folks were selected for their um, scholarship because they want to serve their community. So our encouragement to them is understand the word, stand on God's promises, and serve the community. And I love your your banner there, love God, love others, and serve both. That's really an encouragement that we hope that we can give to the Haiti people. And with your help, you've done that for us. Freedom Fellowship, since 2016, um, started partnering with us. And I've been here several times, and we just so much appreciate uh, your help. You can switch it, Justin, to the next one. So again, visiting planning meetings, uh, we had those. I was there a little over a month ago. Ben and I were there in February. Um, you can go to the next one, Justin, too. We can just... Uh, Juven's Amacy is one of our dentists. We've helped him with tuition. He's going to start his own dental practice, despite all that crazy you see in Port-au-Prince. Um, I text him almost every week, and he's doing well. He's thankful he's not had any issues himself personally. Um, he's hoping for um, a successful launch of his practice, and we're thrilled for him to serve his community. You can go to the next one, Justin. Uh, just, this is what's fun when I get to go there. These kids are just like our kids. They're happy, despite the difficulties going on in Port-au-Prince. You can go to the next one, Justin. Um, I like to have fun with them. Get, they love to just have me sit with them, and I, of course, big distraction. I tend to stand out just slightly. <laughs> and, um, and you can go to the next one. This is, this is what, I'm going to have it next week, but I found out we had, this is actually a video. I had, they were excited that I was coming to Freedom, and they actually, it's not working, unfortunately, but I'll have it next week for you. Hopefully, Justin can play it for y'all. Basically, they, well, I don't want to give it away if we're going to, but they're saying, thank you, Freedom Fellowship. So next, that'll be something you can come back next week and hear them say thank you themselves. They were so excited because it was in English and we worked on it. And, um, but I'm just primarily introing you to Ben Rush. Um, <clears throat> Ben's going to bring a, a message today, um, or he's going to share some scripture today. And also, I don't want to, I'd be remiss, Connie Rush, that's Ben's, you want to stand up and maybe sing a song or something? <laughs> just that's it's Connie Rush. Um, this was a special board meeting this last weekend because Connie, she just retired from her CFO, we don't, we rarely have CFOs apply to work for a nonprofit like this. And she actually has a heart for Haiti as well. 
Um, the Lord has placed a call on her to join us and help us. Um, she's a CPA. Um, she's definitely Ben's better half. Definitely. She's super, super sweet. And this, uh, this meeting was actually the meeting where we introduced her as um, joining us. And she's going to help us with child sponsorship. So she's going to be a huge asset. So thank you so much for answering the call. And I know Dana Cable has been to Haiti with us. Um, and hit Connie and Dana were on the same trip. So that was back in 2008, probably? 17. Oh, 17. Okay, I'm a few years old. Anyways, thank you so much. Um, I just want to remind us again, um, I have this verse over my bed, and it's a, always been an encouragement. Um, if I don't have my glasses on, I should know it by heart. Excuse me. It's basically, in this world, we know, the Lord tells us, the Lord Jesus tells us in 16, <clears throat> John 16, Verse 33, I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. And this is, this is the part that's so exciting. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Amen. Christ is our only hope. That's what we, so I'm encouraging you like we'd encourage the kids in Haiti. Regardless of the, the situations, just stand firm in his word. Stand firm in Christ. A room this size, we know there's a lot of us tough stuff happening. And so we'll talk more about it soon. But thank you so much for your support in Haiti. Good morning. Uh, I actually, my first trip to Haiti was in 2015. And it was uh, when we speak about God's providential hand, it was actually one of Matt's best friends who was a pastor of the church that my wife and I were going to that said, Ben, I think this would be a perfect fit for you. And, um, and so I went that first time in 2015 and stepped off the MAF plane. I think we went over on plane by the, at, at that time. And, um, and I felt like I was coming home. Um, in the providence of God, again, my dad worked for an oil company growing up and uh, we moved to a Middle Eastern country in the early 70s. And stepping off that airplane was then was very much like it was stepping off the airplane and logging off. And so uh, it has been a good fit in God's good, perfect will. Um, this morning, when we think about the, the struggles of logging off, uh, and they do have struggles, this text fits very well with what is going on over there as, as in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 through 11, he writes to them, be sober, be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. But resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. And when I consider the uh, Christians in Haiti and on Loganoff in particular, this comes to mind. And why is that? Because the churches that Peter was writing to in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, and Asia Minor uh, suffered both persecutions and afflictions. And it's a major theme throughout uh, the first, first Peter. 
And though we see the agents of their affliction were their non-country or non-Christian countrymen, we see the instigator of it all uh, was Satan. So just like the Christians that Peter was writing to, the Christians in Loganoff have been redeemed from their feudal way of life inherited from their forefathers, as Peter states in 1 Peter 1.18. Voodoo is the national religion of Haiti. It's the national religion of Haiti. And this is not the voodoo that people go to tourist shops in New Orleans to visit. No, this is real, very real. It is uh, nothing but uh, ritual animal sacrifice and demon possession. And it's hard to grasp it until you've witnessed it. And both Ben and I have witnessed it. The worldview is that it is never going to be better than it is today, which is why the government is so steeped in corruption. And it's the sense of hopelessness that pervades Haitian life. But this is what the Christians of Loganoff have been called out of. And we have not only schools, but we also provide training for pastors and church leaders and our school teachers. And we welcome all, not just those who are a part of our schools, but any pastor who desires uh, to, to have this biblical training, we give, the, give it to them for free. And that's where I have sort of fell into place in the organization of, of HFL. Um, I go over there and provide that, that training for them. And they're desperate for it. They, they want to know more about Christ. They want to know more about the Bible so that they can accurately preach the word of God to their congregations. You see, there's not only uh, the issues of voodoo that they have to deal with and the culture that voodoo, them growing up in that culture of voodoo, but there's also a plethora of false teaching, false Christian teaching. And so what they want is to know the truth so that they can preach the truth to their congregations. In this text, there are four primary points. We see, first of all, our attitude, and then we see our adversary, our action, and then in verse 10, we see our award. So our attitude as Christians, and this is what we desire for them. This is every time we go over there, we have this conversation with the pastors and church leaders, that our attitude should always be that of being sober-minded and vigilant. And so to be sober-minded means to be free from any intoxicating influences. And that means not only drinking or drugs, but it means anything in their culture that dulls their spiritual life to the reality of God's truth. And I, I keep telling them that, look, this is not only an issue for you, but it's a, a huge issue for Americans. Because we have a, our Western culture that sometimes we as Christians, we read the Bible through the lens of our Western culture rather than reading our culture through the lens of the Bible. So many times when we go over there, uh, we did a, a, a teaching on the Ten Commandments, the, God's moral law. 
And as we were working our way through that, you know, there were questions about, well, how do we treat those who are, are challenged, either mentally or physically challenged? And Haitian culture, they're taught that those people are cursed, and so they're made fun of and, and mistreated. But when we work our way through the law, and, and when we see the, the command, you shall not murder, well, we understand that it's not just that we don't commit murder, but we also do everything we can to uphold, protect, and value life. So even the lives of those Haitians who are mentally or physically challenged, they are valued in the eyes of God. And at that point, many of them had to bow their heads. But to be vigilant also is to be in a constant state of hyper-awareness. It is being on guard. It's not possible to be vigilant against threats without being sober-minded. So taking the example of being aware of how our culture could possibly affect how we read and interpret scripture, being vigilant is being on the alert not to allow it to affect how we read and interpret scripture. We also see, second of all, our adversary, the devil. Peter names the threat and describes him as a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Lions are large, powerful creatures. They can be nine feet long and 700 or 600 pounds and have fangs two inches long. And if you've ever, ever watched a documentary, you understand that when lions hunt, they do not roar. They do not roar. So is, this a, is Peter giving us an inaccurate description of a lion? No, what he's telling us is our adversary, our adversary is arrogant, and he believes with all of his heart, mind, body, and soul that he can turn a Christian from their profession of faith. Now, the means that he was using in this time and in our, our present time on Loganoff is that of suffering and affliction. If he can cause you to suffer enough, maybe you will question God's goodness to you. Maybe you will question God's steadfast love to you. Maybe you will break from the faith if that's possible. Paul talks about the same thing in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11. He says, put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. And let me tell you this. The devil does not care whether you're wealthy or poor. The devil does not care whether you're healthy or in ill health. In health, Ill health. But what he does care about is that you maintain your profession in Christ Jesus. He wants to break that. And so, just like Job, who lost everything, he lost his family, and he lost his wealth, and then he lost his health. Satan told God that he would curse God to his face 
if he lost all that he had. But Job maintained his profession. So these schemes that we're talking about in the Greek, it's literally an each a personalized scheme for each individual Christian. It's, it's hand-to-hand fighting. It's grab your enemy by the belt. But in this, we also see our action. And just a general observation is, is that this verse speaks to the vital importance of the local church. Paul makes it perfectly clear to the elders on the Ephesian church in, in Acts chapter 20, verse 28, to be on your guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. So shepherd the church of God, which he pur- purchased with his own blood. Now, the astounding thing is, is this, is that this visible expression, this church right here, the people of God gathered together, is the visible expression of the body of Christ. This church, Christ has shed his own blood for. This church. And as a church... It means that we are a body. God has gifted each one of you uniquely in this church to fill a specific role that no one else can fill. And so when, even though this, these personal attacks from Satan against us are individually devised, we resist him corporately because the first letter of Peter was not written to individuals. They were written to churches. And so we resist the devil how? We, res- we resist him together. So we work not only for ourselves, and, and I agree with Ben, I love that. I love that. Love God, love others, serve both. And we understand that because of our, our re- relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, that we have a unique relationship with one another. It is by his shed blood that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And that goes further than mere blood relation. And so we labor together. We fight together resisting the, the Satan who desires nothing more, nothing more for us than to, de- to deny our faith in Christ. So I'm a historian by, uh, my degree was in Middle Eastern and ancient history, and I love the Greeks. Uh, they had soldiers that were called hoplites. They were armored, heavily armored, and their shields were constructed in such a way that they protected not only the individual, but also the weapon arm of the individual next to them. You see, you see, they fought as a unit. It's a perfect picture of how we ourselves are to fight together, how not only we are to fight to resist the devil, but we are also to labor together in, in pushing the cause of our Lord Jesus Christ, proclaiming the gospel, proclaiming the gospel here in our communities and 
your labors and your prayers for us for Hope for Loganoff. We labor together. We resist the devil together. The roaring lion, who that in and of itself is, is a scary idea that a, a lion is actually hunting us. We would be frightened if we were in the African safari, knowing that we were a lion's prey. Well, we are a lion's prey. But we resist together, not on the basis of just anything, but we resist him firm in the faith. It is not a faith, it is the faith. It is the faith that is defined in the Bible. It is a faith that and repentance from sin. It's living godly sanctification in a a dark, Christless world, and it is keeping what God has ordered concerning his church. Faith, the faith, is all-inclusive of New Testament teaching. It's all-inclusive. You know, whenever we come back from Haiti, there's always a time of reflection a time of reflection, looking at the issues that face the church there and seeing those same issues that face our churches here. Spiritual warfare is real. Satan uses suffering to get us to deny Christ. And I'm so thankful, and as our brother Ben has stated often, so thankful for the support of local churches on behalf of brothers and sisters in Christ whom you have never seen, never met, and may never meet on this side of heaven. But what you do as a congregation and as individuals, those who who give individually, most importantly, most importantly, the, the prayers on our behalf and on behalf of those Christians there can't be understated, can't be overstated. We thank you so much, again, for all your support. And if you don't mind, may I pray? Yeah. Let, Wait, can he pray? Yeah, go ahead. All right. Thank you. Father in heaven, we are grateful for your goodness to us, and we are so thankful that, Lord, you reign and that you watch over us with that knives that never slumber nor sleep. Father, we thank you that you are the, give, the giver of every good and perfect gift. Lord, and we are so thankful that, Lord, in you we have known our Lord Jesus Christ and his shed blood on our behalf. We thank you, Father, that you use imperfect people to fulfill your holy purpose. And, God, we thank you for this church and pray that this church would know your blessing both in the growth and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, the deepening of their love and faith for him and for one another, And, Lord, also, Lord, that you would grow this church numerically and that, Lord, they would be a a light, a citadel of the gospel in a dark and dying place. God, we thank you so much for the witness and testimony that they have been to us in the encouragement of our souls and the encouragement of those Christians there in Loganoff, Haiti. It's in your precious name we pray these things. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Ben. Ben.
and just in time, Justin, actually, from what I understand, the kids in Haiti would like to give their thanks as well. So, Justin, you can see if it plays for us. They're so excited. Go ahead and grab this. Thank you, Freedom Fellowship! <laughs> That's good. You heard him say that uh, there's uh, something over 500 kids in these schools. Uh, one of the biggest challenges I know from just conversation we've had is they also have to develop leaders and are developing leaders within the nation. One of the things I think that they are really doing well is they want to make the place better. Loganoff needs to be better and better, as does the whole island of Haiti. So they're really not trying to educate these kids to grow up, go to Harvard, and become a doctor in New York City. What they're trying to do is grow up kids who will make a difference in their culture, that they'll be the pastors, the teachers, you know, the doctors, the mechanics, whatever they turn out to be, but trying to raise them up uh, to create that strong foundation for that nation. So here's a question for you. We're going to move pretty quick, okay? This is my thesis sentence. I really want to live a life that honors God and make decisions that aligns his will with my life. Now, I believe that most Christians that are, that are maturing, I believe that that's really kind of the mindset they have. Let me read it again. I really want to live a life that honors God and, it all, and so that I can make decisions that align with God's will for my life. Now, that's a tough thing to do because what we're trying to do is in life is we're trying to determine what God wants from me. Now, I know a lot of you, and I've talked to a lot of you about, about these same kind of decisions, but the decision process you go through, boy, we'd love for it to be easy, but it isn't. It's a stinking mess, ain't it? Because you're trying to understand what goes on. So when we get into, and I'm just going to fly over, okay? So your homework is the very end of chapter 15 of the book of Acts, the start of 16 of the book of Acts. But I'm going to fly over that because it gets it to the point, really, that leads us back to these guys. These guys are both work-a-day guys. You know, they've got jobs. They're, they're carving out time from their family and their personal life and giving up other things to do because of, their, uh, because of this uh, mission that God's put on their heart. So your homework anyway is last of 15, first to 16 in, in Acts. And in that, what we see is we see Paul and Barnabas, they'd been traveling together. And Paul said, hey, I've got a great idea. Let's go back to the churches we've helped plant. And let's see how they're doing, kind of fortify them, get them moving. And uh, so Paul uh, or Barnabas wanted to take John Mark with him. That was a big blow up because he had left him once before. He didn't really want to do that. So Paul decides, okay, well, fine. Barnabas, you take John Mark, you go with him, and then I'm going to take Silas, and I'll take him along with me. And then along the way, they pick up another guy named Timothy. Some of you have heard of Timothy. A lot of churches have Timothys that are those young pastors that are being brought up that they took along with them. When you get into 16, and again, I'm flying through this, so you've got to go home and do your own homework. But when you get into 16, at the start of that, what you find is that in several occasions, this is what happens. In 16.6, it said, Having, they were going to go someplace, and he said, but having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia, and so they didn't go there. And so then in verse 7, when they came to the border of Asia, they tried, but, but again, they ran into the same thing, that, that God was not allow them to go there. He said, no, that is not what I have in mind for you at this point. And then at the time of rest, at a verse or two later, we find that Paul has this vision. He said, I want you to go to Macedonia. Well, he'd already been told, don't go there. 
But now he's being told, go there, because they're, they're, they're reaching out to this Gentile population, and it was going to be a fertile field for him. And so he concluded, says this in, in verse 10, it says, after the vision, he concluded that he was supposed to go to Macedonia, him, he, and his team, he, he and his team, and so he immediately got up and they left for Macedonia. Now, one might think when you read these verses and you listen to these, uh, this recounting of things, it kind of reminds me like a goose. You know, there's a, a, a deal about a goose. You know, they wake up every day in a new world. Well, it, if you read this, you'd almost think, okay, well, these guys wake up in a new world every day. You know, because they're going to go here, they're going to go there. But the reality is that's not what happened. They're being directed by the Holy Spirit to do different things in their life and to go different players. These key players that I've already mentioned, you know, they had, they had to, to, to make a decision. And uh, the, these decisions didn't just happen. They don't just happen in your life if you're, if you're a practicing Christian. They don't just happen. These aren't random chance. If you're praying about it and you're expecting God to do the right thing and you line up with his will, not him with your will, then you start to understand, okay, these aren't random things. This is really the path my life's supposed to be taking. So we see Paul and them, they, they struggle with these decisions. They're, they're doing things with their contemporaries and trying to figure out, well, do I go with you, Ben, or do I go with you? Oh, wait, y'all both, both Ben's. But who do I go with? Well, I'm not going to go with you. But, any, you know, the amazing thing of that is they ended up with two groups rather than one group that stayed together. So even, even in what seemed to be confusion, there really was direction that came from that. So it's clear to me that, that when how important it is, and we go back to the thesis statement that I made, I really want to live a life that honors God and to make decisions that align my will with God's will. And see, I believe most Christians want to embrace that. But what we want, I think, we don't want this messy stuff. What we want is a cookie-cutter deal. You know, I want to come to you, Ben, and I say, hey, pray for, pray for this because I'd like to do this. Well, the reality, we're looking for cookie-cutter answers and something that's clean, not messy. But so many times when we're doing that, we're asking God to align his will with mine rather than to align, to align my will with him. And that's a process that we're going through. And so for these guys, they, they make choices all the time. And believe me, every time they go there, them and their families worried about their personal safety because it is a, it's a tough place. And so, the, you know, they're making choices. And what I want to do a little bit is just for just a very few minutes, I want us to share a little bit about maybe how does... How do you ask the Holy Spirit to be involved in your decisions about what you're going to do? And maybe an anecdote or something that helps us understand. Because what I want, the, I want everybody here to leave and understand that when you're seeking the way of God and you want to do those things, it, it's not always going to be written on a billboard on the way to work. And so, you know, how do you, how do you work through that? Have you got anything? You know, just <clears throat> it comes to mind with... As we pray for the Spirit, Lord, and we all do it, you know, pray, Lord, please show me, please clarify the call for this or that. What I've found is as I go to the Word, spend time in the Word, as we pray, it's not anything that I do specifically, but the Lord will, details unfold, doors open and doors close, especially in the safety situations in Haiti right now. It's one of the things that jumps to mind is there are times where it might be my wife is really struggling or Sometimes it's a wrestle at night. I can't sleep, and I'm just—it's not—it's not easy. Um, if there's an increase in particular, there was 234 
killings in the last week or two that, um, in Haiti. So we have to, Ben and I talk about that a lot in terms of how do we know? And I would say the first, first thing is we go to the Word. And as we're in the Word, the Lord does reveal himself in and, and, and practical events in our lives as well. That's, I would say the Word would be the yeah. thing. Well, I tend to be dumb as a rock. And so I rely very heavily upon God's providences. It's, um, and we listen. There, the Word says that there's wisdom found in a multitude of counsel. And so... Ben and I, whenever we, we desire to go over, we will listen to our, uh, our folks on the ground over there as to whether they think it is good for us to come or not. Ben and I would go every time, yep. every time. But we realize that when we do go, uh, it's not just ourselves we, we put in the line of fire, but we put those who are, are our partners there on the ground. And so, you know, again, we, we pray, we look at the word of God and we wait for God to open that door uh, through his providences to, um, to make that trip happen. And again, I, I wish it was black and white because it would be so much easier Boy, that it? way. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's just allowing God to move in his good time and his good pleasure. And uh, sometimes my impatience wants to rush that process. Uh, but part part of our learning, ultimately, the issue is not whether we are doing one thing or another. Our issue is, are we growing in our, our, in our faith and our love to the Lord Jesus Christ, to God our Father? And so the process of, of going through this is really growing in, our deep, growing in a deeper relationship with him. Because there are going to be times when he says no, and there's going to be other times that he says yes. I think, that, and, I th and again, I think that's encouragement I want to give to the folks that are listening and people online is that, you know, we want, uh, we, you know, we have these things and they're pressing in our life. Maybe it's uh, relationships or maybe it's finances or work changes or illnesses, whatever those things are. But we have those things that are pressing. And, you know, we, we really, you know, we just, we want God so bad to just be a vending machine. You know, I just want to pull a crank and, mm -hmm. you know, and then I know what to do. But there, but I think what I keep learning is that a lot of it has to do with the process you're going through. Because he's, you know, he's growing us up at the same time he's asking us to do other things for him. We had a, uh, Karen and I were looking at a, what was a fairly consequential thing for us not very long ago, not work related. And, and, you know, but, but I kept having, you know, our prayer was that we would do the right thing in God's eyes. But as we worked through that, we just, I just kept having these things pop up, just pop up, pop up, pop up. And I just thought, does it have to be this hard? I mean, is this one of those closed, those closed doors, you know, that I keep hitting? And finally, you know, I, I, just, I, I just disconnected from the deal. And, you know, the amazing thing was uh, after I disconnected, I had, I had peace about it. I thought, oh, okay. took me a while to get here. But the reality is, once that I was there, I understood that I was really living within what I believe God's plan to be. We did have a real informal poll. When I mean an informal poll, this is a real informal poll. But I polled my family members when we were on vacation a week or so ago. And I asked them that same, this kind of same question. You know, how do you know? How do you, how do you flesh out what's the Holy Spirit? And how much is your own spirit trying to say, this is what I really want to do? Here's the last few things. Um, one of the grandsons said, he said, 
Well, one of the things, Papa, that happens is what a lot of times whatever people think, that's what they say God wants them to do. And he was smart enough at 21 years old to say, okay, that isn't always true because you got to go back through these other litmus tests and line it up with God's word. You know, one of them said, well, sometimes it's trial and error, and what happens with trial and error is you make a mistake, but then you learn from it. You get a bloody nose, and you realize, okay, well, that probably wasn't the smartest thing to do. Maybe it didn't line up. Sometimes we learn that way. Sometimes it's a, a, a pro and con list that you pray over. Uh, sometimes we pray for open doors and closed doors, just like I was talking about a, a moment ago. Um, sometimes it's a it's an issue where, you know, that you're, you're praying about it. And, and one of the guys said, well, some of them are just obvious. Because if you just look at it and you back up like you were a third party, you'd say, well, that didn't line up with God's word. That's an obvious thing. Don't do that. But, but sometimes it is a question that we need peace about the decision so that we're comforted and we kind of know what those things are. There's, um, you know, you, that we pray for discernment. For if you, don't, uh, if you don't know what a fleece is, look up Gideon. It'll take you to it. Read about that. Any of these things, Karen and I, any of the elders are willing to talk to you and kind of fill you in if you just wonder even what they are. But there's a fleece that's laid. Karen and I have done that a couple times in our life. We have kind of funny stories, you know, that was, oh, he told me the first time kind of things, you know. Uh, but the clarity of open doors and closed doors. The other thing I think is just think about our motives when we're praying. Are my motives pure? Because sometimes... We, they do get clouded with our wants and our desires. And then there's a, another thing we've used uh, personally uh, that's called increase-decrease prayers. These may sound like funny things, but we're glad to talk to you about them. But it is sometimes that you, when there's something going on and, and you ask the Lord to either increase your desire to do something or decrease your desire to do something, and, you, and you're backing up and allowing him to be in God's Word and then follow just listening what he has to say. And Karen had some good advice. She said, so a lot of times what we want to do is we want to turn to our spouse, guy or gal. But sometimes we kind of go, okay, well, is that, they're not God. They have an opinion. And, you know, you hope that they're doing the right things. But she used the word that, you know, we talked about Abraham and, and Adam. You know, they both listened to spouses and made some really horrific decisions. And so what we need to do is make sure that we do ways, ways, use wise counsel. I love it. We should do that. But we always even measure wise counsel against God's word to make sure that those things are consistent. So we're gonna, I'm going to close now with a prayer. Uh, uh, ben and Ben will be at the doors. If you have any questions about their ministry, it's a great ministry. I'm always encouraged when I, when I see uh, ministries that are led by people that are out in the workplace. Because you realize that, that this ministry is their heart. It's, uh, it's not their... It's, you know, it's not their lifestyle, their income, or their particular point of power. So let me pray for us. Father, we do uh, ask you as we get ready to close and our praise team comes, Lord, we thank you so much that you brought us together to hear this. I'm encouraged when I, when I see ministries in action and, and things like this that occur. But Father, I too want to just say that, you know, what we've seen in this little bit of Acts we've talked about and what we hear from these gentlemen is we realize that you're still at work and you want so desperately for us to be involved with you with our lives, for you to point and give us the direction of what we're supposed to do, Lord. We thank you for that and we, we just encourage you, Lord. And I, I just, I just want to remind myself that a lot of these decisions aren't clean cut. A lot of them are pretty messy. 
But the whole idea of messy is it brings it closer to you as we seek you in our daily life and trying to carry ourselves out so that our will lines up with you, not vice versa. In Jesus' name, and they all said. Thank you so much for listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast. We are located at 990 West Henry de Tonti Boulevard in Tontytown, Arkansas. You can check us out on the web at freedomfellowship.com or you can find us on social media by searching Freedom Fellowship NWA. We hope you have a great week and that you live out the mission of the church, which is to love God, love others, and serve both.